are talking about our friends. Everybody say friends. And in this series, we have had kind of a bottom line, kind of a key statement that has been driving us through this entire series. In fact, it's in your notes. It's on the screen. It's in your new version uh, Bible app or your new LifeGate app this morning. Why don't you say it with me today? It goes like this. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Say it again. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. You see, your friends are a picture of your future. The quality and the direction of your life will be dependent upon the kind of people that you spend your time with. In fact, we talked about it every single week in this series. Solomon said it like this. In Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 20, he says, If you walk with wise people, you become wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. And we've all seen this in our life. When you hang around the right people, when you walk with wise people, when you spend your time with people who are making good decisions and people who are leading their family well and people who are following God with all of their hearts, when you spend your time with people like that, you become like them. But if you hang out with a bunch of fools, if you hang out with people who are making bad decisions and doing stupid stuff, guess what? You're going to become like them. Your friends are a picture of your future. And it's so important that you are careful in the friends that you hang around. In fact, I heard about these two friends one time who were out in the woods going for a hike and all of a sudden they heard something kind of behind them and they turned around and sure enough, right behind them there was a bear. And one of the friends bent down and started tying his shoes and the other friend said, what are you doing? It's not like you're going to outrun that bear. And the friend looked at him and said, I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you. How many have ever had friends like that before, right? And it's so important that we get the right kind of friends in our lives. They make such a big difference. And the truth is, sometimes you can have even the best of friends and you can still get hurt. In fact, let's just do a little survey here today by showing uh, of hands today. How many of you have ever been in a relationship, had a friend, someone that you love that has hurt you? How many, just raise your hand, look around. I mean, maybe they said something about you. Maybe they didn't show up when they were supposed to show up. Maybe they disappointed you. Maybe they hurt you in some way, shape, or form. And the truth is, we can't talk about friends without talking about broken friendships. And I think all of us have experienced that before. We've experienced times where we had people who disappointed us and people who hurt us and people who should have been there for us that weren't there for us or someone who who we trusted and they broke our trust or someone who we've experienced some kind of conflict or some kind of struggle with. And it is a very real thing in our lives. If you have friends, you're going to be disappointed. If you have friends, you're going to have times when those friends don't come through for you in the way that you expected them to. There are going to be times when relationships are broken. And those broken relationships, even if we don't like to admit it, the truth is they go deep and they hurt very Deeply. In fact, it reminds me of King David. He talked about it in Psalm chapter 54 or 55 and verse 4. And maybe you've experienced something like David experienced before. He says in verse 4, he says, My heart is in anguish within me. Have you ever felt that way before? Like somebody hurts you and it just it just breaks your heart. They disappoint you in such a way that you just can't seem to get over it. It's like my heart is just my heart is in anguish. And look what he says in verse number 12. It's real interesting. He says, "For if it was an enemy that were insulting me, I could endure it. 
If it were a foe who were raising himself against me, I could hide from him. But it is you. And look what he says. A man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with who I once enjoyed sweet fellowship as we walked within the throngs of the house of God. I mean, think about it. Here's David. He's going, hey, I've been hurt. Someone has said something. Someone has done something that has broken my heart. And my heart is in anguish. And, and look what he says. He says, if it would have been an enemy, I could probably handle that. Like if it would have been somebody that I don't like or that I don't have a relationship with, I would have expected that. But he says, no, it's you. He says, it's a person like me. It's someone that I had great companionship with, someone that I had a close relationship with, someone that I even went to church with, and you broke my heart. And it's like, it, it's like an anguish inside of me. And maybe some of you are here this morning, and maybe that's, that's how you are. Maybe you're thinking, you know, if it would have been someone who wasn't a Christian, I could probably understand that. Or if it wouldn't have been someone that I was so close to, I could probably endure that. But this is somebody that I went to church with. Or this is somebody that I had a close relationship with. Or this is someone that I really trusted and they broke my heart. And they're a Christian and they're not supposed to be that way. Or they go to church and they're not supposed to act that way. Or they're a minister and they're not supposed to live that way. And your heart is broken this morning because of someone who has hurt you. And the truth is, nothing goes deeper than those wounds that come from broken relationships, broken friendships. They break our heart. In fact, as I was studying for this series just this last week, I, I started thinking about it and I began to read in this, these powerful chapters in Matthew chapter 26 and Matthew chapter 27. And, and I began to, began to think about, you know, we can't do a series on friendships without talking about what happens when friendships get broken and when relationships are broken and when there is conflict and when there are struggles. And I began to read in Matthew chapter 26 and it's, it's just incredible the pain that Jesus endures from those that are closest to him. I mean, let me, let me just set it up for you. In Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is getting prepared to go. The, it's going to be within just hours that he's going to be, he's going to be captured. He's going to be taken to be put to trial. And then he's going to go uh, to the cross and endure the gruesome, painful death that we know that he endured for every single one of us. And just hours before that, he gathers his closest friends, these 12 disciples that had been with him since the very beginning of his ministry. And he gathers them together for what we know now as as the Lord's Supper or the Last Supper. And the Bible says that, that he showed them how much he loved them. In fact, it says right there that he showed them the extent of his love. That he took up a towel and he wrapped it around himself. And he knelt down and he began to wash their feet. And he began to serve them just to show them how much that, that he loved them. Knowing that in, in just a few short hours he was going to go and pay the ultimate price of love for us. And for them to give his life. And as you read through this, these incredible chapters, in just a chapter and a half, these friends, these ones that Jesus had, had just walked with for three and a half years, these ones that Jesus had just washed their feet, these ones that Jesus is just about to go and give his life for them, these very same friends in just a short, just a short chapter and a half, over and over and over, these friends disappoint Jesus. I mean, you think about it. They go from there, they go to the garden, 
Jesus, knowing that he's about to endure one of the most uh, difficult days of his life, he goes to pray and he asks his disciples, can you just pray with me? And he goes a little further into the garden and he comes back from praying in the garden and he finds that the disciples had fallen asleep. In the moment of Jesus' need, his friends had disappointed him. And not just once, but three different times he comes back and every single time, instead of praying with him, they had fallen asleep. Have you ever been disappointed by a friend like that? Like they said they were going to be there for you, but they weren't there for you. In your time of need, you expected them, you needed them, and they weren't there for you. And we go on from there as Jesus is betrayed and Jesus is taken. And then Peter, the very guy who said, I'll never forsake you, Jesus. I'll be with you always. In that very same chapter, there's Peter sitting by the fire and a little teenage girl comes up and says, Hey, weren't you one of the disciples? And Peter goes, I don't even know who that Jesus guy is. And not just once, but three different times he denies that he even knows him. As you continue to read on through the chapter, all of the disciples deserted him. They ran for fear for their lives. And then we come down to Judas. I mean, the ultimate of all betrayals. It's one thing when someone, when someone lets you down accidentally, when they don't really mean to, but they just kind of disappoint you. But it's a whole other thing when someone, when someone betrays you intentionally. And some of you, maybe you're here today, and maybe you've had some people that have, even, that have even done that. A bitter betrayal. Maybe some of you have gone through a divorce, and it just became bitter. And it became to where the, the spouse that you were divorce, divorcing is, is even trying to harm you intentionally. Maybe some of you are here today, and maybe a loved one, someone who should have loved you and protected you, abused you. And you went through those type of, those type of relationships that cause pain and cause struggle and cause harm and maybe you're even sitting in this room today as we talk about friendships and we talk about relationships and we talk about love and we talk about community and maybe you even sit here this morning and you think yeah that all sounds good pastor but if you knew what someone had done to me if you knew how I've been hurt if you knew the pain that I've endured by someone who should have loved me and someone who should have protected me and someone who should have been there for me I just don't think I can go there again you see so many of us we experience the pain and we experience the struggle of people who have hurt us and how do we react when those things happen how do we react because it's going to happen I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news this morning but it will happen if you have relationships there will be people who disappoint you and people who hurt you and maybe even people who betray you so how do we deal with those kinds of hurts and pains in our relationships well I'll tell you how most people kind of deal with it in fact if you're taking notes just write these down just three three things that that most people do three normal reactions to broken friendships the first one is is we tend to lash out isn't that true like when somebody hurts us what do we want to do want to hurt them back in fact i heard about this one guy who got bit bitten by a, a rabid dog 
And so he went to the doctor, and by the time he got to the doctor, it was too late for him. And the doctor said, I'm sorry, there's nothing that we can do. You're just going to die. And so the guy, at first, he's shocked about it, but then he sits down, and he starts to, he starts to write out a list of names. And the doctor says, well, what is the list of names? Are these the people that you want us to contact? And the guy said, no. And he says, are these the people that you want us to give your possessions to? And you die, he says, no. He says, well, what's the list? And the guy says, well, these are the people that have hurt me. I have rabies. These are the people I'm going to bite. <laughs> Come on, that's funny right there. I don't care who you are. And isn't that the way we do sometimes? Like if somebody hurt me, what's the first reaction? I want to hurt him back, right? Well, that's what, that's what we learn when we're just little. Like if big brother hits me, I'm going to hit him back. Like, and when someone, when someone hurts you, what's the tendency? The tendency is to want to lash out back at them. And, and sometimes, though, they're not available for us to lash back at them. And so what happens? We lash out at whoever's around us. And so what happens is someone hurts me, I'm angry, I'm bitter, I'm hurt by that. And so what do I do? I hurt the people that are nearest to me. And who does that tend to usually be? The people that love me the most. I yell at my wife, yell at the kids, kick the dog, you know, whoever's there at the time. And we think that if I've been hurt, I'll hurt somebody else and that will help me to feel better. But how many know it doesn't make you feel better? It doesn't help anything. In fact, what it does is it not just damages the relationship that's already damaged. It damages the relationship of everyone around you. And it winds up hurting you worse than it hurts anybody else. It's like the Three Stooges. Anybody like the Three Stooges? It's like the Three Stooges, right? And one day, one day Curly, you know, he kept getting hit in the chest by Mo, And so finally he said, I'm going to get Mo back. So he strapped a stick of dynamite to his chest and said, next time he hits me in the chest, I'm going to blow his hand off. Some of you are kind of slow, but you're getting it. And isn't that what we do? We, we're upset because somebody hurt us, and so we think, I'll hurt them. But what does it do? It winds up hurting us even more. We lash out at others. So, some of us, though, we don't lash out when we've been hurt. The second thing is, some of us, here's what we do. We shut down. Everybody say, shut down. Here's what we do. We just, we just shut everything down. We just kind of go inward. In fact, I like what Rick Warren says. He says, in every relationship, there are skunks and there are turtles. Some of us are skunks, some of us are turtles. Some of us, when we get upset, we just stink the place up. Others of us, when we get upset, we just pull ourselves into a shell and hide. And some of you are here, like, when someone hurts you, what do you do? You blow up on everybody else, you stink the place up, you're a skunk. But some of us, when we get hurt, what do we do? We just clam up into our shell, the shell of protection. Someone hurt me, and so I can't allow anybody else to hurt me, and so I have to protect myself. And it's like we just completely shut down. In fact, I'll tell you, probably I'm more of the, I'm more like a turtle. Like when someone hurts me, I just want to protect. I don't want anybody else to hurt me, and so I pull up into my little shell. Anybody else like that today? And so I'm probably not going to lash out at them. Instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ball up. And what happens is we begin to shut down, and we stop trusting people. I was telling you last week about a time in my life, about probably about 12 years ago or so, we went through some things in our church that we were pastoring in Midland, and some people that we had loved had left the church. 
church and had said some things. And, man, I just, I was deeply hurt by that. And my, here's what I did. I just began to just pull into my own little shell. And I didn't want anybody around me. I didn't trust anybody. I wouldn't open up to anybody. And it began to affect the way that I pastored. It began to affect the way that I was with my wife and with my kids and with the people that loved me. And if it wasn't for some good friends that really loved me, that spoke truth into my life, even when I didn't want to hear it, man, that's what changed my life. And so many of us, here's what we do. When we go through those times when someone hurts us, we just kind of kind of ball up into a little ball and we say, they hurt me and so I'm not going to trust anybody anymore. And we just kind of shut down. Others of us, number three, here's what we do. When we've been hurt, we just give up. Man, I've tried relationships before. That didn't work. People disappointed me. People let me down. I put my trust in people, and they weren't trustworthy. And so now, man, I just give up. I give up on relationships. I hear you talking about, all right, I'll endure this series on friendships, but I ain't having no friends, and I ain't going to have no relationships because I've tried that before, and it didn't work, and I got hurt, and I just give up. And sometimes here's what we even do. We even put whole groups of people into one big old, big old giant pile, and we just say, man, I've been hurt by other Christians, and so all Christians are bad, so I'm never going to trust Christians again. Or I was hurt by a man, and so that means all men are jerks, and so I'm never going to go around and go out with men ever again. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? Like the pastor said he was going to do something, and the pastor disappointed me, and he didn't come through like he said he was going to do. So now, from now on, all pastors are bad, and I'm never going to trust a pastor or a church or a Christian or anybody else again. I give up on this whole relationship thing. The only thing that really counts is me, and nobody else really matters. I'm just going to take care of myself. And what does that do? It just leads toward a bitter, lonely life. You see, that's not the solution. Lashing out at others, not the solution. Giving up on relationships is not the solution. Shutting down and getting into your little, into your little shell, that's not the solution. So what is the solution when somebody hurts me, when I, when I struggle in a relationship, when a relationship is broken, how do we deal with broken relationships? Well, I, I want to talk about what does the Bible say about dealing with conflict? What does the Bible say about dealing with relational hurt? What does the Bible say about dealing with broken friendships? And I just want to see just a couple of things here this morning. If you're taking notes, you can, you can write these three things down or fill in the blanks this morning. The first thing that we're going to do, if you've been hurt, here's what, you, here's what we're going to do. We're going to seek to understand the other person. Everybody say understand. We're going to seek to understand the other person. There's an old Chinese proverb that goes like this, seek to understand before seeking to be understood. And here's what we do. When, when, when we've been hurt by someone, we seek to understand what is it that's causing them to act the way that they're acting. What is it that's behind their actions? What is their perspective? Where are they coming from? What is it that's making them behave this way? And here's the deal. If someone has hurt you almost every single time, there's a reason behind why they are doing what they are doing. In fact, I love what John Maxwell says. He says, hurt people hurt people. And isn't that true? If someone has said something about you, if someone has hurt you, if someone has let you down or disappointed you in some way, shape, or form, almost every single time there's something behind the way that they're acting. There's a hurt behind the way that they are are responding and acting 
to you. We look at the disciples. When, when the disciples abandoned Jesus, when they denied him, when they, when they betrayed him, all those things, what was it that motivated their actions? It was one thing. It was fear. They were afraid of what could happen to them. And so they were acting in self-preservation. And the truth is, when someone has hurt you, it may be, it may be out, of, out of fear. It may be out of their own personal hurt or something that they're facing in their own life. It may be out of insecurity. But every single time, there will be something that's driving their actions. And so if, we want, if we're going to go through hurts and we're going to go through struggles in our lives, we've got to seek to understand what is it behind their motives? What is it that is behind their actions? In fact, that's what the scripture talks about in Philippians 2 and verse 4. Look what it says. Each of you should look. Everybody say look. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Check out this word, look. This word look comes from the Greek word scopus. Everybody say scopus. And that word scopus is where we get our words like microscope or telescope. It means to see, but even more than that, it means to see something that is difficult to see. And really, very literally, it means to focus. Everybody say focus. And so what is Paul saying? Paul is saying, hey, I want you to focus not on your own hurt and not on your own pain, but instead I want you to focus on others. Instead of looking at how someone has hurt you, I want you to look at something that is more difficult to see. I want you to look at what is behind the hurt. What is it that has caused them to act that way? I want you to change your focus. Instead of focusing on yourself, I want you to focus on the other person. And he says, I want you to have the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. See, here's the deal is we are, we are never more like Christ than we, when we focus on others' pain more than our own. In fact, think about it. What was the attitude of Christ Jesus? As he was hanging on that cross, as he had been beaten and broken, as he had had nails driven into his hands and into his feet, as people laughed at him and spit on him, and he's hanging there on, his, on the cross, what was his focus? His focus wasn't upon him or his own pain. Instead, the focus was on others. In fact, what did he say as he was hanging on that cross? He says, Father, forgive who? Forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. What was he doing? He was seeking to understand what was behind what they were doing. He was focusing on the other's pain rather than on his own pain. And the truth is, when you are in a relationship, you're going to get hurt, and people are going to do stuff and say stuff, and almost every single time, there's something behind what they're doing and what they're saying, and you've got to take the focus off of your own pain and put the focus on the other's pain. In fact, the scripture says in Romans 15 to verse 2, it says, we must be considerate of the doubts and the fears of others. Let's please the other fellow, not ourselves, and do what is for his good, and thus build him up. In the Lord. The Bible says that what we're going to do is we're going to seek to understand where the other person is coming from and we're going to consider their doubts and consider their fears and we're going to offer them grace in the circumstances. When you, when you are hurt by someone else, when you put yourself in their shoes and you see where they're coming from and you understand their doubts and their hurts and their fears, then you are a whole lot more likely to give them grace in the circumstance. We're going to seek to understand. Number two, check this one out. We're going to seek peace. Everybody say peace. 
seek peace in the relationship. When someone has hurt us, we're going to seek to find peace in the relationship. When the relationship is broken, we're going to seek for restoration in the relationship. In fact, that's what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 17. Look what he says. He says, Do not repay evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Check this out. Look what Paul is saying. Who does peace depend on? Me. And so, so many times, here's what we do. When someone has hurt us, when someone has said something about us or disappointed us or abandoned us or abused us or whatever, so many times, here's what we do. We go, all right, I'll forgive them as soon as they come to me and apologize. Isn't that what we do, right? Like when they're really sorry and when they really start to change, then I'll forgive them. But that's not what Paul says. Paul says, as far as it depends on not them, as far as it depends on who? As far as it depends on you. Peace in relationships starts with me. It's me that is called to make the first move. And if we sit around waiting on them to come to us, it might not ever happen. The Bible says stop waiting on them to come to you and you go to them. You become a peacemaker. Everybody say peacemaker. In fact, that's what Jesus says in Matthew 5 and verse 9. He says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Now, you've got to understand, when Jesus was talking about being a peacemaker, what that, what that would have meant to the people of that day, to the Jews who were listening on that day. You see, they had grown up all of their lives with, with things like this, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. If someone hurts you, you hurt them back. If someone uh, uh, abuses you, you abuse them back. If someone steals from you, you steal back from them. And now here they are. They, this is what they've learned all their life. And now Jesus is standing before them and he gives this shocking statement. He says, here, you are blessed when you are a peacemaker. And notice this. He doesn't say a peacekeeper. He says, a peacemaker. You say, well, pastor, what's the difference? See, some of us, we think we're peacemakers, and what we really are, we're just peacekeepers. You know what a peacekeeper does? A peacekeeper will just will overlook things and just kind of avoid conflict. And just kind of, instead of working on the issue, we just kind of work around the issue. And, you know, that person hurt me, but I'm just going to kind of grin and bear it. And I'm going to just act like everything's okay. And when they come around, you know, it's not really okay. And I'm still kind of mad and bitter on the inside about it. But I'm not going to say anything about it. I'm just going to kind of work around it. And there's no real, true peace. We're trying to keep the peace rather than make the peace. Jesus said, I'm not calling you to be a peacekeeper. I'm calling you to be a peacemaker. What does a peacemaker do? A peacemaker is willing to embrace conflict for a little while so that there can be true peace in the relationship. A peacemaker will be one who will say, I'm not going to work around the issue and just kind of pretend that everything's okay when deep down inside I'm bitter and I'm angry and I'm hurt and the relationship's not okay. Instead, I will embrace even times of conflict in the right way so that the relationship can be restored and so that the friendship can be restored to what it once was so that there can be peace. See, here's the deal. Conflict doesn't just resolve itself. It doesn't. You have to be intentional about resolving conflict. You know, we've all heard that saying before, you know, time heals all wounds. How I many know oh, that's a bunch of baloney? Because time doesn't heal nothing. What does time do? Time just makes it worse. 
Like, I mean, if you, got, if you got cancer, you wouldn't be just like, well, time heals all wounds, and so I'll just wait, and it'll get better, would you? If you got shot in the arm, you wouldn't be like, hey, you know, time heals all wounds. We'll just let time heal. No, you'd rush to the doctor, and you'd be like, doctor, I got shot in the arm. Fix it. Right? But that's what we do in relationships. Well, time heals all wounds, and so I'll just let it go, and it'll be better. But it doesn't get better. What happens? It gets worse, and you get bitter, and you get resentful, and you hang on to it. And the longer you hang on to it, the more angry you get about it. And here's the deal, is that relationships don't heal themselves over time. In fact, you don't grow closer over time when you don't work on conflict. You grow further apart. So you have to be intentional about about it. You have to make the first move. You got to seek peace in the relationship. You say, well, pastor, how do we do that? Well, I just thought it'd help you just give you a couple of, couple of tips. When that time comes, when you begin to seek peace in the relationship, let me just give you a couple of tips. You can write these down. The first one is this. You got to listen more than you speak. In fact, that's what James says in James 1.19. He says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. How, how many know God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason? Amen. We ought to listen twice as much as we speak. And the truth is, if we would listen twice as much as we speak, if we would be slow to, li- or slow to speak and quick to listen, guess what? Everybody would be a whole lot slower to become angry. And so when you sit down with someone that you have a conflict with and you begin to try to restore and work on the relationship, here's a great tip. Listen more than you speak. Listen to where the other person is coming from. And then when you do speak, speak with the right tone. How many know it's not just what you say, but how you say it that really matters? And so if you go into a conflict or you're trying to restore a relationship with someone who has hurt you and you go in with the wrong attitude and you, you might even be saying the right things but saying it in the wrong way, what's going to happen is going to cause them to become defensive and angry. But the Bible says this in, in Proverbs 15 and 1. It says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So I'm going to listen more than I speak. And when I speak, I'm going to speak with the right tones. I'm going to speak the truth, but I'm going to to do it in love. Check this out. Number two, I'm going to admit my part in the problem. Now, I know what some of you are saying. Some of you are saying, well, I didn't do anything wrong. They did all of it wrong. It's all their fault. And the truth is, if you've got conflict in a relationship, it might be mostly their fault, but all of us have fault. It takes two to have conflict. How many you know what I'm saying? And, and sometimes maybe you not, may not even be the one at fault, but when you begin to admit your faults, you know what it does? It brings humility. And how many know that humility in a relationship brings grace? When you come in all puffed up and proud, you did this wrong and I didn't do anything wrong, what does that do? It causes people to be defensive. But when you humble yourself, guess what happens? It brings grace. In fact, that's what the scripture says in James 4.16, that God opposes the proud, but he gives what? He gives grace to the humble. Number three, attack the issue, never the person. How many know you're such a stupid idiot is not a good way to start the (laughs) conflict resolution? We're going to attack the issue. What was the issue? When you said this, it made me feel this way. When you did this, this is how I felt. I want our relationship to be right, and so I want to work on the issues but I never attack the person. Letter D, I'm going to offer grace. 
and forgiveness. Scripture says in Colossians 3.13, bear with each other. And what? Forgive one another. As if, if you have any grievances against each other, forgive as what? As the Lord forgave you. But pastor, you don't understand what they did to me. You don't understand how they acted. You don't understand how they treated me. Bible says, forgive how? As the Lord has forgiven you. Imagine, look, look what you did to Jesus. You put him on that cross, and yet while he was on that cross, he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And in that same way, the Bible has called us to forgive others, that we're going to forgive, and we're going to give grace, and we're going to seek peace and seek restoration in the relationships. We're going to seek to understand. We're going to seek peace. Number three, we're going to seek God's perfect love. Here's the thing today. Human love is imperfect. And I can stand here all day and tell you, if you have friends, all, everything's going to be fixed in your life. And if you have the right friends, man, it makes such a big difference in your life. But the truth is, even with the best of friends, they are human. They are imperfect. And even the best relationships are flawed. And there will be hurt. And there will be struggles. And there will be pains. But there is one relationship that is perfect. There is one love that will never fail. In fact, the Bible says it like this in Proverbs 18 and verse 20. 24, it says, a, friend who, uh, a person who has friends may be harmed by them, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I'm telling you that if you have friends, there may be times when you get hurt. There may be times when you're let down, when you're disappointed, when you're abandoned, when you're betrayed, when you're abused, and every, every relationship will have flaws and have problems, and if you have friends, there will be struggles, but there is one friend who sticks closer than a brother. There is one love that is perfect. So what do you do when a friend hurts you? What do you do when you have a relationship that is broken and that is struggling? You do your best to seek the, uh, to understand the other person. You do your best to seek peace. But even when those things don't work, you seek the one who loves you with a perfect love and you put your faith and your trust fully and completely in Him. In fact, that's what we see happen with Paul in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 16. He says, At my first defense, no one came to my support. Everyone deserted me. May it not be, but may it not be held against them. For the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. Here's Paul. He's standing there. And at his, at his defense, nobody comes to his support. Everybody abandons him. But what does he do? He says, I'm not going to hold that against them. I'm going to seek to understand where they are coming from. I'm going to seek to find peace and forgiveness in the relationship. But even more than that, even though they weren't there for me, praise God that he was there at my side. David says it like this in Psalm 142 and verse 4. He says, look and see, there is no one at my right hand. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. So what do I do? I cry out to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, my desperate cry in need. David says, even when nobody else was there, even when all my friends abandoned me, even when I felt like I was all alone, this is what I did. I cried out to the Lord and he was there for me. Here's the bottom line this morning. If you have friends, you're going to be hurt. If you put yourself out there, it's a risk. You risk getting hurt by other friends. But, but I'm telling you that there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And if you, will, if you will seek to understand the other person, and if you will 
if you will seek to find peace in the relationship, I'm telling you that there is a peace that comes from God. In fact, the Scripture says it like this in Ephesians 2 and verse 14. It says, For He Himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier and the dividing wall of hostility. There is a peace that comes from Him. A peace for every relationship. A peace that overcomes every hurt and every struggle. You may be here this morning, you may be saying, man, I've been hurt. I don't know if I can let people in. I don't even know if I can let God in today. I want to close with this. This was found hanging on the wall of Mother Teresa's home for orphans in Calcutta, India. It says, people are often unreasonable, irrational, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind... People may accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are a success, you will win some unfaithful friends and some genuine enemies, but succeed anyway. If you are honest and sincere, people may deceive you. Be honest and sincere anyway. What you spend years creating, others will destroy overnight. Create anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, some will be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today will often be forgotten. Do good anyway. Give the best you have and it'll never be enough. Give the best you have anyway. And in all final analysis, it's between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. The truth is today, if you open up, you allow people to come in, you reach out and have these type of relationships we're talking about in this series, there will be people that will hurt you. There will be people that will let you down, people that will disappoint you. But open up, let people in, love others anyway. That's the life that God has called us to live.